Welcome to Locked on Yankees. I'm Jesse Spector, and I am no longer the editor of Locked on Yankees. Uh, I am not editing the, the site anymore, but I am still contributing, and I'm still hosting uh, weekly episodes of the podcast. So I'm, I'm proud to be part of the team here. I really like what we're doing, and I'm, I'm, I'm really just happy to be part of it now rather than... Uh, marshalling things over here so you're going to see some changes uh, in the days and weeks to come as we get things settled that way but in the meantime we got a show today Britt Huber is here uh, from LockedOnYankees.com she's got a piece that should be up by the time you hear this about Sonny Gray and the difficulties of catching Sonny Gray so we're going to talk about that Uh, we'll talk with her about the draft as well but first uh, let's uh talk a little bit about where the Yankees are. Uh, the Yankees are 5-2 and two for their season series against the Houston Astros, and uh, that comes with a 5-3 victory on Wednesday night that uh, kept the Yankees two games behind the Red Sox, albeit even in the loss column, the Red Sox having played uh, four more games, so the Red Sox have are 39 and 17. The Yankees 35 and 17. But what continues to to you know stand out here about the Yankees is the contributions that they are getting from you know up up and down the order really, but you know especially the the younger players, uh, Glaber Torres and Miguel Andujar in particular, uh, what they did on. Tuesday night in the walk-off win was you know, really impressive, and you know, Torres again uh, with with the big hit to win it, and Duhar with the double leading up to it. Um, this has been a team that, without getting what you would have expected from Giancarlo Stanton and Gary Sanchez, and really uh, from Brett Gardner as well, uh, and pretty much nothing out of out of Greg Bird. For the season, up until this point, uh, you know, just just coming back from the injury, uh, to be where they are right now, I th- I think it's worthwhile, you know, coming out of Labor Day, Labor Day, Memorial Day weekend, uh, to come out of that and see where the Yankees are. Yeah, they're not in first place in the American League East right now, but they've been in first place for for stretches. Uh, they've been incredible and it's really something that you shouldn't take for granted how good this team has been still you know a third of the way into the season without having really played you know all together the best baseball that they possibly can and I know they had a stretch where they won 17 out of 18 so that's crazy to say seems just absolutely you know bonkers out of your mind to be able to say that but it really is true at no point this season would you look at the Yankees and say, oh yeah, those, those guys are firing on all cylinders. Everything is going right for them. Because at some point, there's, I know that's the way that it, that it usually is, that you, know, you don't get a lot of times when everything is clicking for you. But they, the, the thing with the Yankees does seem to be that they go up and down as their starting pitching goes up and down. And I think that you've seen that really over the course of the year that you know, there have been a couple of times when you know Sonny Gray has had his better starts during the Yankees' really good runs. Um, you know, CeCe Sabathia was really top of his game 
during that real hot streak that the Yankees had. Uh, Luis Severino has been the consistent one throughout, but Masahiro Tanaka has been up and down. What you've gotten from the fifth spot, whether it's Jordan Montgomery or more recently Domingo Herman, who you know burst onto the scene at the end of the really, really hot run uh, and then cooled off and, and have had to, uh, the Yankees have had to, to really fill in some gaps on, on his days starting since then. Um, yeah, it's, it's the old, the more things change in baseball, it always comes back to starting pitching, doesn't it? And, and what that does for you in a game. And maybe you can use that to debate whether or not the Rays are right and what they're doing with the opener. But, uh, for right now with the Yankees, uh, it's looking pretty good. And could they use another starting pitcher? Yes, they absolutely could, but they come into, uh, the start of June here, and, and we're one day away from the start of June, uh, the Yankees are going to be starting June you know, right where they need to be, which is entering a, a, the easier stretch of their schedule uh, in a good position in the American League East. Yeah, they're, you know, they're tied in the loss column with the Red Sox, a full two games behind, like I said. But as you start looking towards the trade deadline, because now is the time of year when you really start to do that, I think the Yankees... Yeah, the the needs are clear. They need a boost in the starting rotation. The bullpen, you know, Adam Warren's going to get back. They're they're going to get help there, and really the the job that they've gotten out of the bullpen, it's really it's settled down for them. Positionally, the Yankees are pretty well settled all over. And could could you make the case that maybe you could get more out of the non Stanton? Stanton Judge uh, part of the outfield. Yeah, but at some point you figure the way Clint Frazier's been hanging in the major leagues, he's going to get a chance too. Uh, in the minor leagues, he's going to get a chance too at the major league level. More than just the, uh, the the little cup of coffee that he got there. So, the infield set. Can't even get Brandon Jury in the major leagues. So, that's where we're at. And right now I should tell you that if you'd like to advertise on Locked on Yankees, you still should do so. The way to do that is send an email to LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. That's LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. All right, so we're joined now by Britt Huber, Locked On Yankees contributor and a person who I'm glad to have back on the show. Uh, Britt's got a, a new piece that should be up on the site by the time you hear this at LockedOnYankees.com and uh, I'm, I'm excited to read it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. This is, uh, this is her first thing uh, since I stopped editing at the site, so I'm, I'm looking forward to just coming into this as a reader, but I do know from having asked her before we started uh, talking here that it's about Sonny Gray and, and the Captain Conundrum. <laughs> yeah, so the thing I wanted to sort of look at was mm-hmm. just whether there was really anything to his performance with one catcher versus the other, because the numbers sort of are what they are, but you always sort of wonder, is there, is there anything to that? Is there a reason? Is there something you say, oh, well, it's because of X, and there's a lot of ways to look at that. Yeah. Uh, so what was, because there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about you know the difference between Gray with Austin Romine and Gray with Gary Sanchez. It hasn't particularly seemed like there's a big difference between the two. It seems like Sonny Gray has 
pretty much struggled no matter who he's been pitching to as a catcher. So, (laughs) and it's only been, you know, two starts with Sanchez and and he's gotten lit up in both of them. And he's, you know, obviously pitched more with Romine, but it's not like he's been good. Uh, you know, and, and just pretty much it's, you know, it's been a lousy season for him. He's had two really bad starts and he's had eight, you know, bad to so-so stars. He hasn't, he's had like right, maybe been, one really good start all season. So I, I guess right. how, how do you glean from that uh, to, to, to come to some, some kind of conclusion? Well, so like you said, the first thing is that there's a, there's a issue with this season because it was only the two starts with Gary Sanchez. So it's, it's kind of not really enough data to, draw a whole lot of meaningful conclusions from, Mm -hmm. but you can look at last year's data a little bit as well. And he was fine with, with Carrie. Um, he was also very fine to very good with Austin Romine. So there was a little bit of difference in that his worst starts did potentially kind of just coincidentally happen when Gary Sanchez was catching last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of his best starts came with Gary Sanchez as well. So there's not really, yes, he, he has been overall better with Romine, but it's not by a huge margin. Yeah. And, and some of that is sort of, you know, you've got these huge blow up, just awful starts when Sanchez has been catching and you haven't seen many of those with Romine. Um, is that because of something in the way either of them is catching or is it just sort of luck of the draw, kind of it is what it is because everybody has a, those starts periodically? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, uh, the moral of the story in a lot of ways is that the relationship between a catcher and a pitcher is very fluid and it's very sort of particular to those particular specific players and that it's very easy to want to kind of remove the human element and say, well, clearly if he is more comfortable with one catcher, if he's performing better with one catcher, the catcher is doing something and not necessarily. Um, I think especially, you know, with Sonny Gray, he is so difficult to catch. He and he approaches pitching in a way that is very, very different from almost really anybody else from from everything I've read. Just his whole mentality is very unique, mm-hmm. and it works for him for the most part up until fairly recently. Yeah, up until this year because he but, was good last year. Like the, the problem last year wasn't was. that he stunk; it was that they didn't hit for him after the A's didn't hit for him. He thought he was getting out of right. the way the Yankees would be all you know, peaches and cream, and, and it was not that at all. Right, and then they'd score two runs, and he'd give up three, and it was yeah. like, oh, well, disaster. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's, it's tricky because all of the things that you, as a catcher, would be thinking about when you're working with a pitcher doesn't necessarily work with Sonny Gray. He doesn't think about things in terms of pitch grips. What? Like, what? Who does that? But yeah. he he has, at various times in his career, thrown different pitches, uh, you know, quote-unquote different pitches, with the same grip just because he's varying 
Correct. the way he pushes off on the ball and, and the way, yeah, like where his pressure is on the ball, even if the grip is the same. Mm-hmm. How do you call that as a catcher? You know, and, and he's, a, he's a tinkerer by nature, so he loves to, you know, he'll just, he'll play with stuff and he'll just decide, oh, that's an interesting move and I can use that. And he does a lot of sort of visualizing what he, the way he wants the ball to move and then kind of just making it happen. Yeah. That's incredibly difficult from a catcher's perspective to sort of harness that. Um, and it doesn't mean that Gary Sanchez has done anything wrong or that Sonny Gray doesn't like him or Sonny Gray doesn't think he's good or any of the sort of goofy narrative stuff that's out there. I think it's, and if anything, it's just a case of there is something in the relationship between Gray and Romine that works for them. Yeah, and, and you know, they're people. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that's something that's that's worth, you know, my own feeling on this is that's something that's worth pursuing if, you know, it's not to say that Gary Sanchez can never catch Sonny Gray, but if Gray is difficult as a you know a, a difficult pitcher to catch, and you have a situation where Austin Romine needs to play, and more than Austin Romine needs to play, Gary Sanchez needs to not catch every single day. Because, like you're you're expecting to wind up playing 180 games this year, and you know Gary Sanchez, you don't want to have him catch like you don't want to have him catch 140. Like you want you want that right. number to be somewhere like around you know one ten one fifteen. So you know take the sunny gray starts, give them to give them to Romine, have them work together because it's a puzzle that's there. Romine's actually been hitting right. pretty well, so stick right. with that, and then you don't wind up with because we've seen this you know in in multiple years of uh, and, and to turn this on the other team that you follow very closely. Buster Posey has had some really lousy playoffs in in his career. Like, he's been part of championship teams and a key part of those Giants championship teams. But particularly in uh, 2014, he was not good in those playoffs. Right. He, 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 he hit for, like, no power. Yeah. And, and, like, that's such a huge part of Gary Sanchez's game. You don't want him to be a physical, and, and like Posey would never say it, but it was clearly true that like he was just sapped by the end of those Octobers. And if you're the Yankees, you don't want that to happen with Gary Sanchez. And you, right, you I mean, do have the luxury of the age. Right, and there, there's literally a picture that I have framed in my house from after, immediately after Game 7, 2014, where Buster Posey essentially just collapsed on the field. Mm-hmm. Clearly, part of that is the, the emotional side of it. But he was drained. Like, you could tell that he was physically so exhausted from getting through that season. Yeah. That, yeah, it, you expect, you ask that of anybody, I don't care how talented the catcher is, and clearly, with Posey and Sanchez both, they're incredibly talented. They are sort of the absolute cream of the crop of, of, that, of this generation if you're being sort of broad about it. But that's an unbelievable amount to expect of someone, especially if ideally, you're looking at a situation where it's not just that they, they want to play 180 or so games this year, it's that they did it last year, and they want to do it next year and the year after. 
there's a there's a compounding effect to that as well. Oh yeah, oh for sure, and yeah, I think it also says something about Gary Sanchez and where he's at in his career as far as how good he is in this period of time that we're talking about him in a conversation with you know comparing him to Buster Posey basically and not batting an eye at that being a reasonable and valid thing to do. Right. Because he's, he's that know, good. So. He is that good. And I am someone who, by nature, wants to compare no one to Buster Posey. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's, that's an incredibly high bar for me. Yeah. So the fact that I will, I will say, yes, that's a, a fair comparison is, is a lot. So there's that, and I guess that we will just... Uh, I, I look forward to getting to read this and uh, seeing more from you know, where this where this goes. Because I know that you're not going to let the Austin Romine angle of this go, either. Because that's that's not in your nature. I mean, look, I, when I had the opportunity, I have to take it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the draft, because that's coming up, and that is also... Uh, an area of particular, I, mean, I I will freely admit that when it comes to the Major League Baseball draft, which is uh, starts on Monday and then goes until Wednesday, uh, I I know nothing. Like I will, I, <laughs> I I enjoy college baseball when it comes on TV, and this is the time of year when it does come on TV. But it comes on TV. I I guess they do like they they televise the regionals and super regionals now, so I will catch some of that. But like. Traditionally, it's been like I'm watching the College World Series and they're talking about guys that have already been drafted, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, like Todd Walker." I was I was super into Todd Walker <laughs> that one year. That's like my College World Series memory. So that's, uh, but it's it's like it's in the middle of baseball season. I can't right, and and not to mention that, but like I like other sports too. I'm into the NBA playoffs and the Stanley Cup. So it's. It's tough to, to get a handle on it, but this is something that, that you do uh, pay much more attention to uh, than I do. So I just want to, <laughs> to pick your brain about you know, what we should be looking sure. for on Monday. <clears throat> well, so uh, there's not a lot of mystery at this point mm-hmm. um, of who's going to go first overall. By almost all accounts, the Tigers are going to take Casey Mines. Um, who is a pitcher out of Auburn. He is sort of the prototypical what you want in a pitcher. He's incredibly talented, obviously, but he's a big guy, throws hard, um, does actually know where it's going, which is not something you can always say for college pitchers. And he's one of those guys who will probably not spend very much time in the minors. So from the Tigers' perspective, if you are looking to sort of rebuild quickly, it's a it's a very rational pick that mm-hmm. not only is he probably without question the most talented player. Um, uh, there are there are other people that you can make an argument for to take first overall, but it's it's hard to argue against Mize. And if you want to be able to turn your franchise around quickly, that's it. That's the kind of talent that you want to bring in. So um, I would be shocked if they did not take Mines. Um, <clears throat> I did see something today that the sort of backup plan or like the, the dark horse for the Tigers might be um, a prep outfielder from Wisconsin, uh, Jared Kalanick, who is a, 
it's a riskier pick. He's again incredibly talented, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure we'll go in the first five, ten picks tops. But you know, high schooler, it's a lot more of a toolsy sort of situation. So yeah. you're it's a it's a higher risk pick, which you, the result of it can be an incredibly talented player that you get as a, an absolute bargain as a result, but. It's, it's a much riskier pick than taking one of the college players. Um, and there are so many college players that are very good in this draft that it would be difficult to sort of, from my perspective at least, it would be difficult to justify not taking one of them. Okay. Fair enough. Do you think that that is the direction that the Yankees go? Or is it, are they in a place where it's so far down in the first round that you're just, because I feel like they're in a position where, and really, most teams are. You're you're looking for best player available. Like you you don't draft right. for need, and but like they don't really even have need so much. You know, in, in <laughs> right, like like where, right. where's the weak spot there? You're you're looking for best available, and I feel like there's probably not a lot of ways to to read tea leaves on that because you're you know right twenty twenty first this year. Yeah. 21st, yeah. Let me just confirm. And this is an interesting draft to a certain degree in that they're, up until fairly late in the game, there was not a, a, a consensus first overall. That, yeah. um, the Brady Singer and Nick Madrigal both end of last year were highly considered possible first overall. So you've got that because they're still on the board, incredibly talented. And then you've also got... <clears throat> A, a pretty big crop of both college and high school players in that sort of like 10 to 27 to 20 range mm-hmm. in the first round that are all very good, obviously, um, but are, are all very close. I, I feel like you've got a, there's going to be a lot of different ways that teams can go once you get past those first couple of sort of obvious picks in the first three or four. Um, so it gets a lot harder to predict because there's a lot of talent sort of all very bunched up together. Um, everything that I have heard has inc- pushed the Yankees towards um, high school players, particularly pitchers, sort of fits with their overall um, draft mentality of, yeah. of late. Um, they don't take as many college players as a lot of teams do, and I think part of that comes down to just that they tend to pick late. <laughs> and so the college players, the, the, the cream of the crop of the college players, tend to go very early. So by the time you get to those, you know, 15, 20, 25, 28 picks, yeah. your best available is a very often going to be a high school player simply because it is a higher risk. You're taking on sort of more of an unknown, but, you know, your end result's going to be a lot better than a college player at that sort of range that it probably doesn't have as much of a ceiling left. You know, they're probably, they're much closer to a finished product. Mm-hmm. So not that that's a bad thing, but you know, you're not, you're not able to sort of roll the dice quite the same way. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, I think the last question that I have on the draft is, is just sort of, I don't have a read on this on, and I, I do however feel like, the Yankees are not stupid enough to like 
even if he was to drop to, to where they are in the second round or later, that the Yankees would not be stupid enough to bring a Luke Heimlich into the organization. I think there are far too many talented players available, even if you do get into the second round and whatever, to, to take that risk. It just, you know, aside from all of the, the moral qualms and everything that makes your skin crawl thinking about it, mm-hmm. from, a, from an absolutely sort of stone-cold business perspective, yeah. it is, for a team like the Yankees, that's, that's what go out and yeah. spend... For a team like the Yankees that can go out and spend whatever they have to spend to get whoever in free agency that has everybody in the world practically in the farm system that they can trade to get whoever they need in trade, why? There's just It would be so risky to the point of stupidity that I just can't see them doing it. Yeah, that's... If he gets drafted, the only not to name names because I don't want to go there, but if he gets drafted, I have to think that it's going to be a team that is desperate to get that kind of bargain that they feel like, oh, well, this is a this is a first five pick or first ten pick talent that we can get in the second or third or fourth or who knows how far it'll fall round for nothing, basically, as a signing bonus. Yeah. And I hope everybody forgets about it. I, I can think of one or two teams that, that would go that way. Uh, but yeah. The Yankees... oh, yeah, I mean... The Yankees are not one, and I just kind of wanted to, to have that sort of uh, reassurance that I'm not the only person who thinks that they are too smart to get to, to go down that road of, like, no. this guy. And, I, and I've, I've already, I've seen comments from too many other organizations already basically saying, we're not going to touch it, yeah. we have no interest, he's not, he's not even on our board, yeah. that I, I cannot imagine the Yankees not already having had that conversation internally. And we don't need to go into the whys of that, uh, because you can, if if you haven't read the story, you might not want to. Uh, but yeah, the guy was on, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, in, yeah. Let's not let's let's end this on a happier note. Uh, the Yankees, <laughs> Yankees major league team beat the Astros, took two out of three in that series, so they head hey. into uh, a stretch now, a, a road trip of. Baltimore, Detroit, Toronto, and the Mets. So they should be uh, making some, do, doing some business uh, in, in the next couple of weeks here. Um, One hope. Yeah. <laughs> ah, the the Orioles have handled them pretty good this year. So <laughs> <laughs> it just always makes me think of. Um, there was one season. I want to say it was 2012 when. I felt like they couldn't beat the Jays, mm-hmm. and the Jays were not great at that time. Like this was this was not like the the like peak Blue Jays contending team. This yeah. was like a not good Jays team, but it was still like every time they came to town or every time the Yankees went to Toronto, it was a disaster. Yeah, like like it was infectious or something. <sighs> that's that's something. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I don't know if the Orioles are going to be that for the Yankees this year, or if that was just kind of the weird thing when the Yankees weren't playing well at the beginning of the season. We'll find out, and we'll find out what we happens. Will find out. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out what happens there. We'll find out what happens with the draft. We'll find out what happens with Sonny Gray, and and we'll have you back on the show because this is great. I really enjoy talking to you. So, yay! Thank you well, thank for you. coming on the show. Anytime. All right.
So, thanks to Brit Huber, and thanks to you for listening. As always, remember to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is that you're getting your podcast. And if you're not finding the podcast where you need to, just send that email to LockedOnNYY at gmail.com or tweet at LockedOnYankees. I'm Jesse Spector. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.